Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, the podcast about fantasy, science fiction, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And we did it. We read the whole Green Bone Saga. I got a bottle of rum right here. Nice. A little shot glass, yeah. <laughs> I've got a Coke Zero. Oh, nice. That's good. <laughs> Delicious. Probably better for you. You'll probably be a little more cogent during the most important <laughs> podcast of this series. <laughs> this is a really important podcast. This is going to run a little bit long because we both have a lot of thoughts about everything that has happened. I mean, I personally am really happy with pretty much everything here. Me too. I wasn't. I don't feel let down. I feel like the the very end of this series um, wrapped up a little faster than I thought it was going to. Like I kind of felt like towards the end, like the last like hundred or so pages, I was like, it's going to start ending here. We're going to start wrapping up here pretty soon, aren't we? Because like more and more things just kept happening. Right. Um, and then it felt like it kind of wrapped in the last like I don't know five or six chapters. So it felt maybe like a little bit anticlimactic, but. Anticlimactic has such a negative like sound to it. I don't really mean it in the sense that I was disappointed, but just that I think I was expecting a bigger bang and it was more like things kind of crumbled and the dust settled and then the book was over. Our part, our window into the story is no more, but it's kind of anticlimactic is almost like fitting for the tone of the rest of the things. Not that the books series is anticlimactic overall. It's just, there is no one main, Hey, we got to get the ring here and throw it in the fire. And then, woo, we're done sort of thing. It's just, we're part of this chapter of this country's history right? and the changes that need to happen in order for it to keep growing. And I think there's like this underlying theme of how, Everything is the same, and we always come back to where we started, yet we have to evolve and change in order to survive. I think that's like the big kind of overarching theme of this trilogy is like change. Yes. You know, like, and it's, it's, it's very, very well done in the last few pages of this. I kind of already miss these characters like a lot. I mean, Me I, I said it in this, I've made a TikTok video like right before we started this, but I mean, like, I really, I don't think I've had like this kind of, this flavor of book hangover in a while. I completely agree. I'm in like a weird mood right now. Yeah, me too. I mean, I was so immersed in that world. One of the things about it that I will say is that this book in particular, Jade Legacy, it seemed like we were getting pushed so far forward in time that like kind of by the end of it, more of the younger and newer characters were getting more time on the page. And at first I was kind of like, wait, where's... What about Hilo and Shay and Andin? Like, why aren't they like at the forefront of all this? But I think that kind of ties into what you were saying before, where it's like, no, this is everything's changing. The cycle must move forward. It's, now it's Nico and and Edo's turn. You know, mm-hmm. now it's Jaya's turn, and it all kind of really makes sense. It does. It reminded me of a time that you know I had a really a, a lot of fun in high school, and I remember I went back the year after I graduated just to visit some of the kids that I knew still going there and to say hi to some of my favorite teachers. And I walked in there expecting everything to be like the same. And it was, but it so wasn't like, it was right. so different. And it was kind of like a sad experience. Cause I was just like, Oh wow, that little portion of my life is truly over. And I didn't feel comfortable there anymore. You know, it had changed. Right. Like it was all the same, but it was so different. And all the people that were, there were different and the things that we cared about no one cared about at all anymore and it was just it was a very interesting i was like i'll never i'll never come back (laughs) 
But that feeling works so well for this particular trilogy, right? Because it, it's kind of like you said, like you're, we're not throwing a ring into the fire and then everything's done. It's very different than a lot of other fantasy series that I've read, where there's kind of like this consistent pace to everything. Because obviously the first book is very contained. It, only, it barely jumps forward at all, mm-hmm. right? And then the second book kind of starts jumping forward and you're like, whoa, what, what's going on here? We're and then the third, the third book, yeah, we're, we're just speeding up the entire time. I mean, the third book, we passed like, what, a decade at least? Yeah, well, the whole, the whole trilogy seems, I think it's like 20 years. Wow. I think, I think Hilo is in his late 40s or maybe even early 50s, I think, uh, by the hmm. end of it. Yeah, there's multiple times that Shay is like looking around. She's like, when did we get old? <laughs> like, right. Yeah, and Aitmata is just like this like husk. <laughs> yeah oh that's a good way of that saying it that was a it. sad chapter i mean we'll get into that soon but the whole trilogy feels really like realistic mm-hmm. you know and it's, it was almost like too realistic <laughs> yeah i was like oh this is kind of bumming me out like we all yeah, just I was get kind of old funked. and like <laughs> <laughs> i was done i was like oh boy <laughs> i think that was the whole point of it though the way that fonda lee wrote the books ties in to the theme you know like the actual mm-hmm. structure of the books ties into this theme of change and and how time goes by and things evolve and it's not necessarily a bad thing no i mean it's not no because i mean i feel like this had a pretty happy ending right well it's sad I mean, a little bit i mean with any sort of change there's like a grieving process right you right. you grieve what's old but at the same time you know too much to go back you can never be that person that you were before so it's like you kind of have to accept it and then move forward with the new knowledge and and do the best that you can with the new information that you've gleaned and who you've become but there's definitely like a grieving process of of what's lost i wonder if when fonda lee was writing this i wonder if she had the ending already when she started and if not i wonder if this felt to her like the ending that had to happen Uh, i read the acknowledgments and um she said that she had written a good portion of this book during the pandemic so I don't think she had had the ending like completely figured out when she started, but I imagine that while she was writing it, you know, as she's getting towards the end of this book, she was kind of like, all right, I think I know what I have to do. Yep. And I don't want to do it like this, (laughs) but, but that's how, you know, you've got some real characters on your hands is when, is when they start leading the story. You're kind of sitting back and watching, you're writing down everything they're doing. Instead right. of instead of you writing down everything, you're, you're observing <laughs> the ball that is rolling yeah. on its own. Now you're no longer yeah. pushing it. And so yeah. while I was kind of like, I wish that the ending had been like, and you know, obviously there is like, there is a a kind of final like cool Boom, action bang. scene. It wasn't like the eruption that I thought it was gonna be. No. It was more like it was more like a few like kind of tiny things that were really important, and then everything kind of just ended yes but yeah, yeah that's a good way of saying it. it was very poetic it wrapped it up and i was like oh very nice very yeah, nice but it poetic. does seem like fonda was also kind of grieving a little bit near the end and was like i need to wrap this up <laughs> like you almost feel like her frustration in writing it like <laughs> i don't want to end this but it needs to happen so i'm just gonna do it and she just ends it and like one thing i will say before we get into the uh, recap and the long synopses and everything so I talked about some of the things that I thought were really amazing about this series, and we're going to continue to talk about some of those things. But I will say that I feel like some of this could probably have been filed down just a little bit. Um, yep. That's just me personally. Like, um, I really was kind of starting to tune out a lot of the just the political intrigue and just mm-hmm. 
And especially with time going by so fast, we don't have the time in like the present to get to know some of these new characters on like an emotional level. And so I just found myself not caring sometimes. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's important. That's important. Cool, cool. Give me the summary. Okay, move on. Yeah. A good example is like Hilo and the guy that's in, in charge of GSI. It didn't impact me the way that I felt like it probably should have because right. they were like friends. And if Hilo felt like betrayed by his friend, this guy he's been like sparring with and stuff. And it's like, I was it, kind of. Right. It was <laughs> I mean, like, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I guess they're friends, but um, <laughs> it doesn't feel like like a betrayal, you know? No, but, there was no weight there. It was just more logistical. But that's so nitpicky, you know? This is a, pretty much an immaculate trilogy. I would say it's the best trilogy that I've read in a couple of years. And I read some bangers last year. I mean, I read uh, Shades of Magic, which was awesome, really good. But this blows Shades of Magic out of the water. I mean, this is without a doubt one of the most well-executed uh, fantasy trilogies that I've read in a little while. It was masterfully written. I'll agree with that. It's so different than the traditional stories that I read. It's just like hard for me to compare it. To like, oh, a Joe Abercrombie series. It's about like these guys going to war against these guys. And it's like, no, this was not that. Like, yes, there's a war and there's elements of all of those things, but they're so spread out. And the story is not, that's not the focus point of the story. There's deeper like lessons and it's just so real. It's very real. Like I said, I ended and still I'm kind of in like this weird funk of just like, oh, I guess <laughs> it's that? over. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of does remind me of, um, like Game of Thrones in the sense that there aren't really any main characters and it is kind of like this ensemble cast and there's these small players that make a really big difference in everything and there's like lots of intrigue and just these tiny little pebbles that start an avalanche and mm -hmm. you know it's like um, Renly Baratheon in A Song <laughs> of Ice and Fire is like doesn't get a lot of page time but is incredibly important to what's happening. Right. He's you know, a like cornerstone. Renly getting stabbed is such a big deal, right? But it's like he's hard. He doesn't have any of his own chapters, doesn't mm -hmm. it? So I, I was kind of like drawing a lot of lines there, where um, the way that Fondly seems to have kind of set this up is that kind of anybody could make a change that will kind of like echo through eternity, as, right? Kind of how as, fickle things are in the grand scheme of things yeah <laughs> an echo into nice thank you the gladiator yes. reference for everybody and the perfect example of that is of course uh the story arc of our young and now old barrow uh, what a yeah. masterful I mean... character he was the most useful and useless character right. i've ever simultaneously he's just wow what a brilliant stroke i kind of i think i read the last like um few paragraphs of that chapter like a couple times i don't know mm -hmm. why i feel like i i wanted more words yeah you know but it was it was very fitting for barrow and andon is so cool because he's just like what you think you're just you think you're gonna get this really cool like meaningful send-off you know <laughs> you're you're just you're shit yeah and and barrow was just like oh, man like i thought i was like <laughs> worth something that was cool. I am that was shit. really cool. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, I mean we can we can we can dig a little harder into that. Let's do the recap and All right. put, this, put this show on the road. Let's do it. This really long podcast we're doing. Oh my gosh, there's so much to cover. There is so much. We're gonna and you know, for everyone listening, uh, we're probably gonna skip a lot of stuff too, because we can't be here for eight hours right. talking about like every little thing. I'll be so wasted. 
<laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get this going before Chad gets too drunk. All right. Andon and Hilo attend the funeral of Dauk Losen, the Kekko Espenian pillar of South Trap in Port Massey. We learn Andon has been dating the movie star Jiru. John Remy shows up to a meeting of the Espenian clan leaders and dismisses Hilo's attempts to unify the remaining seats of power in Espenia and put a stop to the mishandling of Jade. Remy leaves the meeting, and Hilo informs Andon that the man is no longer an ally to No Peak. Back in John Loon, Nico works with the fists of both the No Peak and Mountain clans to subdue a Jade smuggler. Nico finally meets and speaks with Ait Otto, the alleged successor to Ait Mata, whom he has mixed feelings about. They succeed in apprehending the smuggler, but Nico feels he's unimpressive to his peers, something he doesn't care much about. He has his own conflicting thoughts on the conduct of the Greenbone clans in general. Now Swen, the Horn of No Peak, dies, and Lot is put in his place. Next we come to a chapter from the perspective of Art Wiles, CEO of Anarcho Global Resources, as he admires his Kikanese mistress. He meets with Jin Santo, the head of GSI. They discuss Operation Firebreak, a secret government operation to combat Egotanian expansion. Santo shows Wiles a letter from the Espenian government authorizing the use of private operatives. Art says he will purchase GSI and make Santo the president and CEO, giving them the capital to expand and make for themselves a private army with pre-operational approval to fight their holy war overseas. At Rue's graduation celebration, Nico reveals that he is not going to work for the clan but instead leave Jan Loon to become a mercenary for hire under the employ of GSI. Hilo flies into a rage and dismisses Nico from the property, effectively cutting his nephew off from the clan. Hilo later attacks the GSI compound with four of his Greenbone warriors. Santo does his best to defuse the situation, telling Hilo that Nico approached him. Santo manages to get Hilo to talk, and Hilo tells him to break off the contract with his son, Santo says his son has already received a starting bonus and signed the contract, and that he is an adult. Hilo offers to pay ten times what he paid Nico, but Santo declines. Hilo says that it might not be quick, but he will never forget this slight. After reuniting with his boyfriend, Andon is surprised to find Nico on his doorstep. Andon takes Nico in and confronts Hilo the next day about his decision to cut Nico off. He threatens to cease working for the clan if Hilo follows through with his disownment, then leaves. Mektar, still in exile, visits John Remy at a restaurant and asks to work for him. Nico is about to board a plane to Espenia when Hilo shows up to send him off, his funds active once more. Unbeknownst to Nico, Hilo has sent four men to trail his nephew and to spy on GSI. Barrow returns to John Loon after being away for six years. He gets a job as a delivery driver and begins planning a different tack to take the Greenbone clans down by having them fight each other. Rue starts university and joins a Stone Eye College Club. He is welcomed with open arms by the club captain, Dano, who often illustrates his negative opinion of the clans of Kikon. Shay tells Hilo that she wants him to open up an office in Shatar, as their foreign growth has grown stale. After getting arrested, Jaya implores Hilo to let her into the fists. Hilo agrees to speak with the Horn about where his daughter would be a good fit for the clan. John Remy elevates Mektar to the Vipers, a higher rank in his clan, and gives him Jade. The second Mek gets the Jade that Remy awards him, 
He steals his fingers and drives them through Remy's throat, killing him instantly. Make is shot in the process of escaping and ends up in the hospital, on the phone with Hilo, who welcomes him back knowing that Tar is his man through and through. We go back in time 18 months to when Andon visits Make Tar in Espenia and asks him to deal with Remy. Make agrees to Andon's request at once, saying he will do anything for the clan. After killing Remy, Make Tar takes his own life, and a small private funeral is held for him. On a mission for GSI, Nico and his team accidentally kill two children in a car. The car was not their intended target. Nico's superiors command complete silence. On a visit to Shotar, Shay, Wen, and Wen's bodyguards get pulled over by a police officer, but this is a ruse, and they are captured by men wearing jade. Wen and Shay, along with the two fists, are brought to a secret location. The men call Hilo and demand a ransom for Wen. Shay is allegedly going to be released later. Wen is returned after Hilo pays the full ransom, but Shay remains a hostage. Wen realizes that they don't plan on giving Shay back and demands to speak to Hilo. Shay undergoes the tortuous process of being immersed in a bathtub full of jade. Oh boy. Whoa. Yeah, that part where Shay is getting, like, they dump, they start dumping all that jade into that tub that Shay is in. Oh. Ugh. Yeah, I didn't like that. Dude, it was very reminiscent of Andon's mother because she starts realizing why they call it the itches, you know, just yeah. like, so much power. And I was like, oh, it was so cringy. And I'm really glad that there wasn't a cheese grater involved in all that. I know, for real. Uh, but, you know, just kind of a too much of, of a good thing is not always a better thing. I felt like that was probably the most boring part of the book. Like when that, she gets when they no, get no uh, no no not not that oh. not that <laughs> like the part with with Art Wiles and GSI yeah. and Narco Global Resources and just, oh, all that stuff. Oh like, my gosh, I got it. I understood what I was going on, and uh, you know we left this in the recap because it's really important to the ending of this book, right? Um, but I was you know I was kind of just like. All right, all right. Who is who again? Like right, and as you uh, said earlier, there we didn't spend enough time with those characters to be like that bastard. He's betraying all of his own people because you know, oh gosh, Jim, Jim Santo is that his name? The head of GSL is it GSL or GSI? I think it's GSI. GSI. Okay, it was important in the long run, but and I don't know how to fix that. I'm not saying that it was poorly written. It was just there were. I'm agreeing with you wholeheartedly. There were times that I was like, okay. <laughs> we have been with this guy for so much and why do i care like oh okay and then later i realized why i did but at the right. time i'm like i just don't care give me back to that like ground some green bone madness happening right now yeah i thought that um nico was a really cool character i liked yeah. nico a lot i thought it was really interesting how he he was basically just like this is all kind of dumb like why are <laughs> we doing all this Right, yeah, he's just like, I don't really want to, why are, what is, uh, like, I show, like, what is all, I don't understand why any of this is even important, like, why are we, like, rounding people up and killing them, and, like, it was probably about time for, and just another good example of how, like, maybe this newer generation is kind of catching on and being a little, you know, they're a little more like, this is weird, why are we doing right. all this? Something you both realized the error of the clan and the beauty of the clan all at the same time right you know because he goes away and then he comes back realizing like these are my family these are the people that will really care about me forever but yeah he also comes back with a wider perspective knowing that like okay bad things can happen when people in power don't care properly 
and uh, he starts figuring out what's really important in life. I think Andon is probably the best character, and like in my, he he came yep. back as my favorite character in the series. Like Same. he is so stalwart in in his feelings on things, and you know when he marches up to Hilo and it basically just <laughs> says, "I'm gonna leave." If if you do this, if you right. cut if you cut him off and you disown, you have to let him go. Like you have right. to let him go. Fuck up. You have to let him go. Look at it. You can't just. You already killed his mom. You know. Yeah. Like you already put basically like green bone blinders on this kid and said mm-hmm. like this is what you're gonna be. Stay and, in this lane. And Nico's like resentful of it. He's just like I don't like what this. None of this even makes any sense to me. You know, like I'm supposed to be the pillar of this clan, and I don't even know why. <laughs> like, right and and it yeah. understands that he needs to choose it if he's forced to be it he'll never fulfill his own potential he needs to go to the other side and see okay this is why the clan exists this is why we do the things that we do and then have a reason to actually come back and and uphold Aisho. and it's interesting with the passage of time we're starting to see uh, more of like public opinion and outside views on onto the inner workings of these clans. So like when Rue is in university and he starts talking to that guy Dano, and Dano's just mm-hmm. like, "All of this is ridiculous." You know that, right? Like, <laughs> um, and and that's really cool. And it's a really it's good foreshadowing for kind of how the tide is starting to turn and how the public doesn't really want to keep these kind of like barbaric customs going. Right. Um, and I, I just thought that was a really nice touch. And, you know, I was a little suspicious of Rue getting kind of like yanked into this new crew or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. which, which my suspicions were founded <laughs> yes. like later. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, oh, boy, were they ever. It's interesting to me how the clans, like any sort of power structure, they mention she mentions multiple times they're they're like annexing other clans like the Joel Soon clan pledges its, its allegiance to No Peak, right? And then they like take their assets, their jade, their fists, and then there's another smaller clan that did the same thing with the mountain. They just kind of get mentioned. They're like clan monopolies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder if that's kind of Fonda Lee's attempt at talking about some of the dangers of like capitalism left unchecked and by its nature unless regulated you know things will grow and eventually become like you said monopolies like too big yeah they're too big and it's just like you don't want you know and and the clans of they're not even democracy you know there's not a group of people deciding what's good it's one person at the top of it i i had not really a question but just maybe you could give me a little bit of clarity on something what were wen and shay doing in shatar okay I thought that so, was weird. I just thought it was yeah. like it was like there was this track that everything seemed to be going on, and then all of a sudden, when and Shay are in Shatar. When and, is? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's. I mean, that really oh, is. Okay. I just didn't understand. I mean, I are they talking? They're talking to like movie execs or something. Yeah. So when's on this big like I'm helpful to the clan. I'm super going all in on my new role and trying to strengthen the clan's foreign affairs strength or strengths in foreign. Uh, lands and so she goes over there to basically threaten this movie producer guy that he needs to release the i can't remember his name but the guy who um uh and ends up getting with yeah he needs to be released Which good for the Andin, contract. by the way yeah definitely <laughs> they mentioned how he's like the hunkiest like hottest yeah. dude of them all and Andin's yeah. like oh yeah i got him because yeah. <laughs> andon is awesome he is and awesome. deserves only the best 
dude, seriously. Uh, and he gets it. He gets it. Yeah. And it turns out to be a really good thing for him having this kind of outside influence, you know? But so she goes over there to basically just expand the clan's influence into foreign lands by getting this guy out of his contract so he can do this huge, like, triple A movie title um, that's going but, to be. Why is Shay with her? Like, uh, I don't know. Maybe just they go as buds. <laughs> it just felt the whole thing felt a little bit disjointed from everything mm -hmm. else that was going on. Like, I realized that they were trying to expand into Shotar and stuff. And like, that was all fine. But like, I don't know. You know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know why Shay was there. <laughs> I'm sure was, there's I a mean, reason. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's pretty smart about all the clan affairs and she's just good to have around i love when um hilo is giving nico advice and he's like yeah if you're in like these high meetings sometimes you don't really know what to say it's good to just let shay talk and be smart for a little <laughs> right. while and give yourself a <laughs> chance to think <laughs> i like that too when they start getting when they when they, they get pulled over i remember thinking okay uh -oh. here we go yeah. row, row, this is this is <laughs> 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 don't do it don't do it yeah and even when was telling the driver uh, should we pull over should we not right right and the driver's like here? definitely not and yeah. i think it's shay who tells him to pull yeah. over yeah yeah which is why she's so guilty later on after. right yeah dude when man she is a survivor yeah when kicks she ass a, she kicks a lot of ass when is great she's special in that she's not special right she's like a stone eye who rises to crazy ranks within the clan i will say though i feel like I, I feel like there's a little bit of character assassination with Wen um towards the end of the book because she's referred to a couple different times as like oh when will hold a grudge forever and she's so bad yeah. and like you know she like slaps people and like it's just it it's like wait where did Wen go like this is yeah. just like she's just like an angry mom yeah the like, turning point the was when she really got mad at Nico for running off. Yeah, and I was I like, whoa, I didn't expect her to yeah. like be on Hilo's side so hard on that. I expected her to be kind of understanding and like he needs to go find his own way, Hilo. One of the only character arcs that I was a little dissatisfied with was when. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't know where it could have gone really, but where it did go, I was kind of like, eh. All right. Okay. She's just sad and mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when is sad and mad now? That's um, true. It's broken. Just, it, yeah, well, that's that's a that's a better way of looking at it. Probably is maybe she's just been through so much at this point. She almost know. dies multiple times. Yeah, totally. Gets captured. Totally. Gets bagged. I, th I felt that so hard when they were trying to bag her head, and she just kept saying like, "No, I please, like I can't have a bag over my head." Right. You know, she was so traumatized by that, and I thought it was nice that they didn't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, it, was, it was pretty nice of them. It was really nice of them. So they go in there and um, it seems like the group that these people are with that took them, it's another, I, I didn't know who that was either. Mm -hmm. It's like another kind of like clan of some, or a gang, like a Shatarian gang that hadn't really been mentioned at any point earlier in the series. Yeah, I think they're just like, they're rebels. Like, <laughs> they're just yeah. some thugs that come around and they're deciding to like see, be opportunists and gain some power while it's there. All of that was weird. Yeah, it was. <laughs> like, I kind of feel like it was. Like, uh, it was Fonda's cool. Attempt. She's like, my story's going a little bit like boring, and just like this happened, and that happened, and this happened. So maybe we need to like have someone get captured. Well, and we'll talk about this in the next recap. But like, Hilo eventually goes to Aimata and says, "This is gonna. This comes down to you. 
you know, mm-hmm. like wh- whether or not you actually called for this, it still has something to do with you. So you need to step in and figure this out. Right. Um, and I think that was, it was kind of a way of having this conflict happen that would kind of even everyone out. It was a really good idea. It just felt like it kind of fell out of the sky a little bit. Yeah. But I was really happy to read it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, not really happy. I mean, it was pretty fucked up. It was fun, though. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Definitely. It was real fun. Um, let's talk for a second about old the old John Remy gang and uh, Mike Tarr's exile. Okay, I, that caught me fully unawares. I thought Mike Tarr was going to be just like full of resentment. Right. I thought he was going to work his way up to the clan, even when he killed John Remy. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, he's doing it so he can take over the clan and oh. really get back at Nopi. No. Not in, dude, I, I didn't totally think that misread once. that. Totally misread it. I wasn't expecting him to just crumple that guy's throat oh immediately. My gosh. Yeah, I had to read it twice. I was like, wait, what? I know whoa, my jaw whoa. dropped so hard right there. Yeah. He gets Jaden just like, wham! Fingers <laughs> through the throat. And yeah. he takes out like three of them or something on his yeah. way out. Oh my gosh, that was an awesome scene. I wasn't expecting to see Make Tar again, but I'm really glad we did. And I'm yep. glad that he got like that private funeral and he got to be buried next to his brother. That was a nice little, she showed up make tar really well. Very, very say. well. Yep. And, and taught us a little lessy with Remy and that, you know, he, his own hubris killed him. Right. He was like, no one is ever going to the hubris, like, the hubris got him. So he so gives him more jade than he trilogy. has ever given anyone else. And Boy, it immediately comes back to bite him. <laughs> John Remy sucked, though. I'm glad he died. Yeah, he did suck. Yeah, that was. I didn't want him around in this book like any more than he was. Nope, he served his purpose. He needed to go. I also thought it was really nice that Hilo shows up and he hears Andon out. Shows up, yeah. he unfreezes the bank accounts, says that he can, mm-hmm. you know, there's help for Nico if he needs it, and he sends some guys out because obviously. You know, follow your nephew around, obviously. Right. I thought that, like, that all made sense. But um, just, a, like, another really good example of how there's a lot and of growth is the for best. Hilo. And Andon oh, is yeah. the best. And, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. And then what happened with Shay is that Shay left and everybody held a grudge against her. You know, I mean, she was welcomed back, but it was still, like, this schism. This, mm-hmm. these, there were all these uncomfortable feelings. And, and Hilo did that to Andon, too, <laughs> when Andon didn't want to wear a jade at the end yeah. of the first book. And so Andon was kind of like, you can't keep doing this. And Hilo kind of comes to his senses and he's like, all right, all right. <laughs> that conversation where Andon goes to him and confronts Hilo about like his treatment, he's like, your son will be staying with me regardless of what you think. And if you want to lose me, that's fine. But this is the consequences of those he sticks it to Hilo like mm-hmm. no one else can even kind of I think Andon is probably the biggest lever for Hilo's character growth than of any other incident or person in that whole series yeah I would say so so did you think that Shay was gonna die in that situation yeah yeah so did I I was like I really thought Shay's yeah. going out and I thought it would have been such a it would have worked I think mm-hmm. because it's so like all of these other situations where Shay just is in this really bad scenario. And like, you know, there's just, it's all like this big giant misunderstanding almost. It's not really a misunderstanding, but it's just like, it's so not well calculated. They're like these kind of amateur greenbone guys who mm-hmm. can't really handle Jade and stuff. And it's just, it felt like a very volatile situation. 
Right. I genuinely felt like Shay was really unsafe and they were just going to kill her. Definitely. Because, um, I'm glad that she didn't. And I'm glad that she survived throughout the whole book. Like I predicted that she would, but, um, really felt like she was in danger there. Yeah. I did not enjoy the entire sequence of her being tortured and cause I thought it was going to end poorly. Even when they were taking, I did not think that, that rescue mission was going to go as smoothly, smoothly as it did. Cause he's like coming at her with the knife. I'm like, oh, you know, and they set it up with the sniper. And I was like, we think that the sniper is going to. But man, I feel like he's going to get her first or like right at the end. She's going to like almost get out. And then like in this dying breath, he's going to just knife her or something. But I'm glad that it didn't happen because I really liked Shay. That is one of the cool things about this trilogy is I never really felt like any of the characters had plot armor. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like everyone was kind of in danger and anybody could die at any point. Pretty much. I mean, there were. There were some situations where I thought it wouldn't make sense for one of them to die right here. But right there, in my opinion, it did make sense for Shay to die, which made totally. it that much more freaky because I was I was really thinking, oh, like, oh no, God, oh no. Is... <laughs> I'm glad. I'm really glad. Yeah, like I said, really glad she didn't. And uh, Shay had a, t- a tie with Ait Madashi that kind of needed to exist for us to get that window into Ait Madashi's like inner thoughts. Because they had a couple really good conversations and interactions between them. Always, Barrow, I just, I really, like I said, stroke of genius, the whole Barrow <laughs> character. You could have written the book with, well, I don't know if you could have written it without him. But he was, because he's so important, yet so not important at the same time. Yeah, I don't think you could have written it without Barrow. But yeah. it is funny when you've read like five, six, seven chapters without him. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of appears for a second. Yeah, and he's like, I'm coming back. Yeah. And he goes back to like Caspeni after being away on the Wuwiwin Islands, but he just like hates it because he's like just bored. And yeah. then he gets a job as a delivery driver, and then he cannot not do crime, this guy. <laughs> so he just like starts using the company van to sell like bootleg music and movies. <laughs> it's just some kind of crime. Yeah, it just has to do crime. Has to. And then of course, someone's gonna come along and say how about some more crime? Right. How about bigger crime? Right. And, and there's he's, a lesson. He's all about there's it. a lesson in there. <laughs> Probably <laughs> sure. somewhere in there. But Barrow's not going to learn it. No, no. Well, you know, I mean, he, he, even till the end, he's kind of arrogant about the things I could tell you about the green bones. But like, he does learn, you know, I mean, in the beginning of the second book, I think he's like, I'm done with green bones. You know, I'm not trying to get any more jade. It's been a terrible thing in my life. Wait, no, that, me. I know that, that we're at the end of. Well, yeah, I mean, we're we're skipping way ahead of the very the last like couple paragraphs of the book, yeah. but that's not Barrow. That In was the taxi. The, no, that was the other kid. What from the beginning oh, of the I book? I fully thought that it was Barrow. No, because Anton visits Barrow. Remember? Yeah, but but like, we don't learn what happens to him beyond that. Well, no, never, it, so so Anton never goes, says the taxi driver is the the Barrow is Barrow, but I just assumed. No, it's um. What's the guy? Sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Really? Because um, he even talks like Barrow. Sampa. It was Sampa from the first, from the first book. Oh, really? I think it was. It, was. I mean, wasn't Barrow also a um, dishwasher there, or was he not? Yeah, uh, I can't remember. I think he was a waiter. Oh. Yeah, because he's like. I fully thought that that was Barrow driving him. Really? No, I think yeah. that was Sampa because um, because Anton goes and talks to Barrow. Right. Right. And um, 
Uh, Nico. Like, Nico goes and talks. Oh, no. Wait, was it Andon or Nico? No, no, it's Nico. It's Nico because he's rising up in the clan and uh, Barrow says, I killed your dad. And then and oh. Nico doesn't really care and just like okay yeah whatever guy and he's Wait, like you're so not is it Barrow or is it Barrow or Sampo? Barrow. I think it's Barrow. I wouldn't. Sampo was like only mentioned in the first chapter, right? That's. I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool that Sampo was just like ah the things I could tell you about Green Bones, right? Like oh, I, like, I'm pretty sure it's Barrow because it, he says like he like talks about like the life that he's lived and the choices that he's made and how he could kind of go back. He would do it again. I think it's a lot more poetic if it's Barrow. Because we've been with him for all this time, and he's kind of turned into this old crusty cab driver who's got all the stories and regrets, you know. Right, and he does, and Nico does let him live. For some reason, I thought that Nick, that Andon talked to Barrow. Was that Nico? It was Nico, that was, wasn't that it? That was Nico. Yeah, because um, uh, all right, because Barrow's like desperate for attention almost at that point, and he because he's like drowning in booze or whatever. Yeah, and he like tells him like, "I killed your dad." And Nico's like. No, you didn't. You were just a pawn. You're just a little player. You didn't actually have any. And he just kind of removes all this power and leaves once again Barrow just like a sad man. For some reason, I thought that was Sampa. I guess it. I guess technically it could have been either of them. It never mentions the name. Yeah, I mean, it. It was probably. I'm now that I think about it more, and I realize that Andon wasn't the one that talked to him in his apartment or whatever. You're you're probably right. But it's also, I think it'd be cooler if it was Sampa because Sampa wasn't involved in anything. In anything. Because he was the guy that they did the, that Barrow did the original heist with, right? right? Yeah. The very uh, yeah, first yeah. chapter of the book, of the first book. Huh. So like, it'd be funny if it was Sampa and he was, right. just, he had managed to stay out of everything. <laughs> he didn't die, right? Like no one killed Sampa. I don't think so. <laughs> it's, it's so hard so to many These words are long ago. books yeah. yeah now i kind of want to read i want to both listen i want to read the first chapter and i want to read the last, the last chapter, chapter yeah. again because barrow i got the impression that it was barrow because he starts talking about his life and how he's like made so many choices that were bad and like the life that he's lived and Totally. The things that he's done, you know, and he kind I of is think bragging, right. but also not. I think you're right. I think it would make more sense if it was Barrow. Yeah, I then thought... Barrow's in like the last couple paragraphs. and Yeah, and it kind last, of wraps yeah. that up, you know? Yeah, you're probably right. I'm going to go with <laughs> you being right on that one. <laughs> oh, man, that just makes my soul sing. Uh, send us an email. <laughs> if you think that I'm super wrong or you know some fact that gives away whether it's definitely one or the other, please let us know. Yeah, let us know. I want to know. What I would you all like think. to know. Now I feel like this book is not fully closed. <laughs> I have to read more. Let's get to the end of this. We were, already, right. we were already talking about the end. Let's just go all the way. There's a lot in the end. Yeah. Okay, okay. <clears throat> As Andon and Hilo travel to meet with Aitmadashi, we learn of Hilo fighting the bigger and much more experienced Mountain Clan Horn in his youth and earning him the respect from the clan and paving the road for his rapid ascension up the no-peak ranks. At the meeting with Aitmadashi, Hilo asks for her help in recovering Shay. After getting Hilo's commitment to pull his operations out of Shatar, she agrees to help. Shay and her bodyguard Dudo are being tortured with overexposure to Jade, and just as the gang learns of the Mountain Clan's betrayal and are about to kill Shay and Dudo, the rescue comes, and Hilo, with the help of the Mountain Greenbones, manages to save them both. Shay begins her road to recovery and while alive, might never wear jade again. 
Dano invites Rue to spend his birthday in a seedy dive bar in Mountain Clan territory. Rue decides to go, and while there begins to get intimate with a woman who, unbeknownst to him, is the girlfriend of a high-ranking Mountain Clan Greenbone. Barrow and the bartender Dino seize upon the opportunity and call Kobanashi, her Greenbone boyfriend, to tell him someone is fooling around with his girl. He shows up and begins to beat Rue senseless. Rue, realizing that he has been set up, manages to turn the situation around and offers a clean blade to Dedino, after revealing his plan to start a war between the clans. Dedino accepts and Rue wins. Dedino, thinking that Rue is going to beat him to death, pulls out Rue's talon knife and slashes his throat, killing Rue. At Rue's funeral, the Coben family shows up and Kobanashi and his fingers offer up their ears to Hilo for their failure to protect his son that night. Hilo accepts. Nico returns to the family and apologizes to Hilo and asks for his permission to return to the clan. Hilo accepts him back with open arms. Via masterful moves made by Aitmadashi, pillar of the mountain clan, we learn that she is going to be given the position of head of the GSI giving the Nopeat clan only 90 days to prevent this deal from going through. The Nopeat clan goes into action, doing everything they can to prepare and prevent Aitmadashi from gaining this much power. Hilo's daughter is now a powerful fist, running a crew in Toshan, and helps disrupt Aitmadashi's power by killing the Pillar of the Six Hands Unity clan and throwing their territory into chaos. Traveling to the Wuiwin Islands, Andin convinces former jade smuggler Ailu to publicly talk about his former dealings with Aitmadashi and her support of the illegal jade trade. Hilo, along with a handful of no-peak greenbones, aid the protesters in bringing down a helicopter delivering jade to the Anarcho Company, who, feeling threatened by the mob, opens fire on the civilians. This. Ailu's testimony and the inner working illegal actions of the GSI work to turn the Kekanese public against Ait Madashi, and they call for her to step down from Pillar. She does so, making her nephew the new Pillar of the Mountain Clan. He quickly calls a meeting of the clans to discuss a new era of peace. Unbeknownst to all, Ait Madashi has arranged for assassins to kill everyone in attendance, the head of Nopeak and the new Mountain Clan's Pillar and only through Hilo's quick thinking is her plan thwarted, though Hilo takes a mortal wound and dies later that night. The public has now fully turned against her, and with the Mountain Clan in chaos, Aitmadashi knows she has played her last card. Nico, deciding to end the cycle of violence, decides to exile Aitmadashi, and the two new pillars of Nopeak and the Mountain Clan decide to work together to bring about a time of change and peace in the coming years. The book ends with a conversation between Barrow, a now old taxi driver, driving Andin to the twice lucky, talking about regrets and change. Some things will always be, but they also must change and evolve to survive. We end where we started, back at the twice lucky, the poetic circle of life ever the same, yet always changing. That was beautiful, Chad. Thank you. I really <laughs> hope that it's Barrow now. <laughs> Right. <laughs> also, in my notes, every time I got to GSL, I had to change it in my mind to GSI. <laughs> I, I hate being right. I know. We were really I right. On we a were lot of super things. right about yeah. Hilo. But Hilo dies. 
Hilo that dies. was so sad yeah. when when they're trying to help him where where they were having that meeting and he just keeps demanding to go back home. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, I teared up. That Dude, was I, really it's like he knew he was dying. Like totally. that was that was like for me personally, that was like probably the most emotional part of this whole trilogy. The most emotional part for me, I was on my break from work and uh, driving back from lunch and started crying in the car because Hilo is up in the room inside the No Peak clan's like headquarters dying. And all of not only No Peak, but a bunch of clans and a bunch of yeah. citizens all like are basically tailgating outside of his house, like in support of him and just like, oh man. And then like they rise up and start like yelling like, the pillar is my master whatever i was just like oh god like hilo <laughs> <laughs> that was a mess and you got your uh you you kind of got you didn't really but remember you wanted like those um those like religious guys to <laughs> the temple men to fight yeah 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 you kind of got it when i when i was reading it i was like oh my god chad actually got what he wanted here but they were they were you know, they were fakers, they were plants, but yeah, yeah, they were plants, and they were using guns. I wanted to see them use their jade power, you know, and come go Super Saiyan. I got really excited for you there, and then disappointed for you. Oh, it's a lot thank of emotions. You, thank you. Right yeah, there, <laughs> it was a, a lot. lot a lot of emotions for the end of this. Just man, wow! Like what? Like I said at the beginning of the episode, um, not the ending that I was really expecting. Like I was expecting Hilo to die. It felt kind of mellow. Yeah. You know, other than that last kind of pop where Hilo gets shot and it's like this one little act of deception at the very end of the book, mm-hmm. which I thought was good, really good. But yeah, it's just kind of it like everything kind of mellow because the whole yeah. point is the story is not ending, it's continuing. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, it kind of has to, we have to end at some point and we're stopping following these characters. But like, the point of it is that like life goes on better, changed. But the same. What did you think about um, Nico asking Andon to come on as his uh, pillar man and Andon saying no? Boy, when was that? <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, Nico is kind of sworn in. It's like at um, Hilo's, you know, everything's all covered in white and it's like Hilo's funeral or whatever. And um, like Nico is in the pillar's office and he's kind of got his head in his hands. And then Andon comes in to talk to him. Uh-huh. And then oh, Nico, oh, Nico's yeah, kind of yeah. like, hey, what, you know, I know that you're running for like royal council or whatever, but it'd be really cool if you could stick around and help me out. Totally. For some reason, I thought you were talking about Hilo asking, oh, no, like no, no, Nico no. asking Hilo. And I was like, I don't remember that at all. No. But yeah, I I liked it a lot because it was true to Andon's character. He was like, he said something that was really cool. He was like, you know what? My difference and because I don't make those sort of choices has kind of been the whole reason why I've become who I am and have added the value that I have to the clan. So I have right. to stay true to myself and stay on my own course. Also, what would WWHD, you know, what would, what would Hilo want? Right, exactly. Hilo would have wanted Andon to keep doing what he was doing. Not to mention, like, Nico already has a, a solid uh, weatherman mm-hmm. and a good horn with Lot there. And it, it's going to be fine for like a while. Uh, I really liked that conversation between uh, Ado, Ado, uh, Otto, Otto, and um, Nico when they're walking in the, the garden or whatever, yeah. and Shay's kind of trailing after them. That was great. That, that was, was really, a really good conversation. Because he, I mean, because Kobanato is basically like, yeah, Kobanato. Kobanato's like, 
All right, so my whole situation is kind of falling apart here. Like this is not like this is not great for me. He's even like, you know? I don't know if we even should be a clan. Right. Like and, I'm second guessing the whole thing. But it was cool that it was from Shay's perspective because Shay was like, Oh my god, no one's ever why would you even say that? Right. Like, but it's a really good indicator of just like to the the degree to which things are changing. Yes. Like things are really changing in John Loon here. You've got this new pillar of the Mountain Clan who's very aware of the situation that he's been thrust into. He's coming to this other pillar and saying, Hey, like you need to take care of this Aitmata situation because if I do it, it's going to be even worse for me. Like right. we need to work together on this. Like I just thought like that was just a really, really good conversation between them. Yep. He sets up his future and gets the support of Nico, not, and he does it in a really like honorable way like he's like you need to put a period on the Aitmadashi sentence so here if i give her to you um and you know nico could have been like you might have been in on the well i mean i guess not because he almost died along with the Aitmadashi deception at their secret clan meeting as well but you know he could have had at least arched an eyebrow in his in his way after receiving nothing but huge amounts of gross deception from everyone in the mountain clan over the years and he's like no we have to stop. And not only does he stop the cycle of deception, he and decides to believe him and that he's truthfully coming to him and asking for his his friendship. Mm -hmm. He also stops the cycle of violence because he's like, I'm not even going to kill Ait Madash. Right. He's going to exile her. Okay, I have a question. Um, and Andon goes, I loved the conversation between Andon and Ait Madashi at the end. Yeah, that was the one I wanted them to have initially when mm -hmm. she was kind of dying in his apartment go ahead yeah well I, and like obviously i was like you know they've never even have they even met before besides the time that she like um took him when he was a kid and he met her um there was that other instance earlier on in this book when he was taking care of her after the explosion and the kja oh. yeah so this is sure, like the sure. third conversation that they've had yeah but they weren't like deep or anything and she fully expected it to be shay and then it was such a slap in her face that was so tasty. <laughs> See, at first I was really disappointed that it wasn't Shay because it was so Andon shows up and I'm like, why is Andon here? It should be right. Shay. If anyone's going to go kill Aitmata, it should be Shay. And then I, uh, Andon kind of gives Aitmata the same kind of spiel that Nico gives to Barrow almost. <laughs> where it's just like, we're not even going to dignify this with like yeah, anything. Yeah, not important enough. Yeah, we're not doing poetic justice here. We're not doing anything. You're going to be exiled. You're going to some small who cares town. You're going to live out the rest of your... To be a who cares person. If, right. And if you, if you don't do that, then we're not even going to come get your body. You know? Right. And Aymata's just like, fuck. Fuck. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, just the resignation was so beautiful. Oh, but yeah. he also says something that I want your opinion on because he says like well at least that's what the pillar thinks is going to happen was he implying that like i'm at, we're actually going to kill you i don't know that was a really slippery little line there yeah because he just um, snuck it in there and i was like i think hmm. what he meant i think what he meant was we have a new pillar i think that's kind of what he uh, it, when i read it that's what i read it as was like okay this is what the pillar wants this isn't even my call um, oh, but the, okay. pillar, the pillar's not going to dignify this with him coming here we're not going to send shay over here i'm coming here I'm going to tell right. you all. I, that's what I got from it. I don't think that okay. it was like a, they're actually going to kill her 
kind of thing because mm-hmm. they, they would have shown that they would have just done it yeah i was like, like why are they not are they like leaving it up to us like think yeah, that they killed her no i don't think i think they literally did not dignify her with doing it and i love how she immediately and and almost correctly justifies her existence by being like right. it was a really like deep moment of self-introspection by being like i wanted this and i had this future for the green bones taking control of jade and being this power and that future the while it's not the picture that i had painted in my mind is happening and it's a totally different than i wanted to but it's kind of accomplishing the same thing and she was like and you know through some she said it very well she's like through some twisted irony of the gods right i am perhaps the reason why it came out this way and she's kind of right I mean, she is kind of right. I mean, there it reminds me of also there's this little conversation between I think it's her and Shay when Shay goes to Aitmata and basically tells her that she needs to to, uh, to step down. Uh huh. And Aitmata's just like, well, we need. I can't remember what the exact line is, but she basically says we need to keep this all under control for the good of the people of Kikan. And then Shay's basically like, no, you want to keep it under control for you. Yes. And that was such that was such an important line because it 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 really does strip all of the humanity out of Aitmata and really mm-hmm. expose like she was never in it to help anybody. You know, right. I don't think that the calls really were either, but at least yeah. <laughs> to a little bit more of a degree they were. But Aitmata was just ruthless and did not give a shit about anybody that she stomped over. Nothing. It was all mm-hmm. it was always power. It was always power. It was never about family. It was never about anything else. It was just control. Right. So and they I mentioned that. Was that. A really good line. Right. It was a very good line. And they they mentioned, um, she kind of realizes like the reason, you know, or I think it's Shay who actually realizes that she's like, you know, none of us, especially me, are smarter than Aitmadashi. We just have each other. We have multiple people that we really love and we really trust. And by coming together, we were able to defeat this person who's kind of greater than any one of us alone. You know, and she's like, mm-hmm. how do you beat a chess master? Well, you play him at a game other than chess right. and leverage the resources that you have that she doesn't, which was loyalty and family and love. What did you think about Rue dying? Oh my goodness. Another I, good example uh, of like why I didn't, but I was wrong then I, cause I thought Hilo was going to go full, you know, off ape. the rails, but he didn't No. That was interesting. Yeah. That was really like, interesting. So I was like half right, half wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you're only wrong due to Rue being awesome. Like that whole, the whole reason why the clans didn't even devolve into more outright warfare was due to him and how he handled that situation. While he's getting his, the absolute crud beaten out of him by a green bone he like realizes what's going on and he was like oh he doesn't know who i am like oh did dino and then he calls for a clean blade like kind of like improvising and then he's like the other guy's like i'm not gonna fight you like you're not even a green bone he's like no i don't offer a clean blade for you which he did just to kind of like like break what was happening you know and provide like a little pattern interruption and he's like i offer it to him to dino and he starts piecing all these pieces together on the fly realizing like oh you were just trying to get the clans to fight each other and he blows the top off that plan (laughs) like i thought it was going to be like a big deal they're going to go back and but nope he just 
periods that sentence right away. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I was kind of expecting something to happen to Rue later, but that little instance there, I just wasn't like the guy pulls out a knife and slits his throat. Like it's yeah. just like, oh. oh my god. Like this I guy knew when it happened wild. he was dead, but it was wild when it I was yeah. like, No, no, no. I have a question kind of like, can you help me clear this up kind of thing? So there's some kind of like protest going on on the Yumen Island, right? Um, yes. It's like a, uh, there's like a, there's like the Abuke are there protesting because that corporation is dredging the ocean and like ruining everything. Totally. Like, the environment's yeah. getting effed. Yeah. Totally. Um, so like, what is Hilo's motivation to go there and like really stir all of that up? It seemed, it felt kind of like, uh, that was kind of out of nowhere almost. Uh, it was a, did you feel that way too? I totally did. Cause it was like, wow, that's a, that's a hard role of the, cause it's basically like, Hey, if I can go there and stir them up and get them kind of like pointed in the direction, if I can scare the guards enough to open fire first, then I win. And yeah. so he had to walk a fine line. Yeah. That's what I felt like. I felt like it was, it was a bad plan, even though it did yeah. work out eventually. I remember reading it and just thinking, there's so many ways that this could go wrong. Totally. And it's like, you unopened, you opened fire on unarmed citizens who didn't like, weren't attacking you. It's like, okay, well, yeah, they kind of were. They were like rushing at them. And this was right after Hilo took down a helicopter, which they mentioned <laughs> killed the pilot. So I was like, Hilo really started that. That was weird. Yeah. I don't know if it was like a masterful stroke. It was like a lucky move. <laughs> I thought that was the weirdest part of the book. Honestly, mm -hmm. like I thought that was a very strange it's, a, it's again like something that in retrospect makes quite a bit of sense for the ending but while reading it i just felt like it was a weird thing to like hinge the entire ending of the trilogy on right it was this protest where Hilo like takes down a helicopter uh -huh. and then and then just through all those events i madashi is just found out and then public opinion kind of sways away from her and then the book is over yeah, he already had like the testimony of the multiple um, GSI operatives who were talking trash about like their illegal shady operations yeah. um, in foreign affairs and stuff. And so it's like, yeah, it was, you know, in retrospect, yeah, great plan worked out. But like, man, it would be very hard to one plan that and two to make that happen and have it work out the way that it did, which was perfectly. Ait Madashi is having her own green bones, like having like their Ten Commandments of the Aisho principles, like being read to her in front of her house, like rioters. You know what I wish I would have seen more of is Jaya. Yeah, he, I was I, loving her character. Yeah, we only got one chapter, which mm -hmm. kind of bummed me out. I, me I wish that there had been more. I, mean, I don't know what else she would have done, really, but just a like Jaya's fucking awesome. She was like, so cool. She kind of reminded me of that. Uh, like a better version of did you did you watch uh, season two of Stranger Things? Um, I watched like, like when two episodes of it. There's this weird episode in season two of Stranger Things, and our listeners probably know what I'm talking about. Where like Eleven is just like in a city with a bunch of random people for like the whole episode, and then it just goes back to whatever the show is. There's just like this one like random episode where she's just like out carousing with people. And that's kind weird. of the vibe I got. Um, and it, the the vibe was increased even more because we never went back to another Jaya chapter. So it's just yeah. like this one chapter of her like just running around being a total badass, and then that's it. And then we don't right. really hear like I don't even know what is, what does she end up doing? Is she just still a fist at the end of all of this? She's not even there for when Hilo dies. She shows up late. 
Yeah. And then like storms off like all mad. I love how her, okay, her plan is like good, right? So I just it's just how different the the politics and like the culture is to the one that we live in, right? Because she shows up uh to basically offer a clean blade to get herself put herself in a situation where she can justifiably offer a clean blade to the pillar of the six hands unity clan knowing full well that he's going to say no to her so then apparently in their culture if you say no to a clean blade that's full justification for you murdering that person (laughs) and someone else at the table yeah lighting the business on fire that he was in no relation and also (laughs) killing a civilian cook who was in the building and the police are like super reasonable yeah we would have done the same thing i don't remember reading that like wow she's walking away yeah right yeah there was a cook he didn't do anything like just doing his job innocents who died (laughs) and you burnt a building down there's no repercussions police are just like yeah well you should have accepted the blade gotta accept those clean blades you know i guess so hands wow i just remember thinking wow that was that seemed to seem crazy that worked out for her Okay, so I have a I have a question for you. Now that we've read all of these books, do you think that the clans of Jan Loon specifically are a force for good for the city and for the country at large? Yes. You do? I do. I like, think, however, that and and this is probably one of the lessons and one of the points of the book is that when anyone, even a force designed for the good of all, gets given a tremendous amount of power it very easily gets corrupted. So you think that now they're a force for good? Yeah. I mean, they're built on Aisho, right? Which is like honor and protecting. Like, I kind of see them as the, like, like the, the police force. But remember there's like that, there's even that. Um, and I, I mean, I'm not uh, disagreeing with you, but um, kind of agreeing with you that there's that, there's a couple line exchange there where um, somebody kind of, I can't remember who says it, but somebody kind of, um, implies that Hilo doesn't even like no one's even really following Aisho, right? Yeah. Do you remember that? I can't remember I, who. I do. It, it was like it was like it's kind of like up. You're to all whoever. picking and choosing, right? Exactly. Everybody's kind of cherry picking what they think is honorable and like what Aisho actually means, and they're willing to kind of like not even really employ that system when it doesn't suit them. Yeah, um, which so is the makes uh, it kind of useless almost. Yeah, and it's kind of a, I think, a, a look into the fallibility of humans given power, right? Because it's kind of like, um, like they were a country that discovered nukes, and they decided, like, oh, let's get these one group of people who are nuke safe. They can handle them without dying, and we're going to give it all to them, and they'll just kind of use this extreme power for the good of everyone. It's a like, great idea. Yeah, cool. And then people are people, and so quickly power corrupts and people start using it for their own means to gain more and more power and start being ruthless and uh, yeah, all sorts of bad things happen. I don't know. I, I think I wanted, I kind of wanted to see it all disbanded. Me too. I, yeah, I, I was surprised to that... see this, the whole, all of the, just the clan structure. And it's like, it's nice that it evolved and maybe that's mm-hmm. what needed to happen is like, you couldn't just dissolve all of this immediately. Right. That wouldn't right. work either. You'd have some kind of vacuum or something, or it just, uh, that's too radical of a change too fast. Um, but that's kind of what I was, it's almost like what I was expecting to happen. But I think that what did happen made a lot of sense. 
Yeah. And maybe that's the reason I'm just kind of having this thought. Maybe that's the reason for the final interlude, which is the story about the charge of 20, right? Where like those 20 guys, they like, there's the many nations war, the one mountain societies attacks this Shatarian military base. It's like a total disaster. And it ends with them inside the base. And they're like fully surrounded by way more numbers. And there's like 20, the leader picks out 20 of the best green bones and all of the other soldiers give them the jade. And these guys single-handedly kill, but probably die themselves, I think is the, um, is the implication that they kind of sacrifice the, their own sanity and their own, their own well-being by having so much jade, becoming so powerful and then single-handedly killing 300 people and then driving the foreigners from KCON and ending the war. So maybe that's like the, the purpose of that interlude was to be like, yes, it's bad and can be used as evil, but it can also be used for tremendous good too. Or like, I I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, that interlude kind of almost all of them, like right afterwards, I'm like, ah, that's why we got to learn that one. But that one, I didn't really know why. Yeah. I think the interludes were really good. They were really good. They all kind of like just barely kind of touched on something that had just happened or was about to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just really good. And it's a good idea um, on Fonda Lee's part for like uh, just kind of like hard world building where it yeah. kind of is an info dump almost, but it's it's a short info dump and it feels kind of like referential. It's kind of like this, the, the little clips of text between scenes in Attack on Titan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. I had to throw an Attack on Titan reference in there because <laughs> I'm watching that right now. All right, I have another question for you. Okay. Do you feel like this book probably could have been split into two, maybe? Because that was a that was a feeling that I got where maybe this could have been four books um, altogether. Yes. yes and no. It either could have been made into two books and we could have gotten a little bit deeper into some of the goings-ons of the present day as opposed to skipping forward so much because i'm sure there were some exciting events that were just kind of like breezed over or it could have been turned into a much shorter book i kind of felt like a Mm, lot of it was i was like okay i just like i said earlier so much time was not spent with certain characters that was i just didn't have an emotional attachment to them like i can't tell you right now who what the name of the horn was of no peak at the end of the books like I know who was was previously, but like I don't really know because we weren't. But he was mentioned multiple times, and he was a main player. There was just I don't know. We we didn't spend enough time with him. See, I felt like so many new characters got introduced, and I wanted to spend time with them. That because I didn't spend very much time with them, I just didn't really care like that much about them. Like mm-hmm. I mean, like Rue, like Rue dying was a was really important. I was sad that he died, but I feel like more time with Rue kind of talking to talking to those people in the club that he was with and kind of like like it would have made his death like way more impactful if we could have seen like more of his thoughts on like how glamorized all of this whole lifestyle was and yeah you know and just kind of gotten gotten more of that like more of those kinds of conversations and then like everything kind of culminating with his death right there yeah and i thought we were going to Oh, that totally does. And that's why I thought the Didu is that his friend that is like the head of the the Stone Eye Club and college. I thought that's why he was going to be introduced. And she even touched about it, about how they constantly argue and they go back and forth. And I thought we were going to be privy to some of those arguments so we could really hear like the reasons behind the Stone Eyes wanting the clans gone and the clan people being like, no, this is why the clans need to exist. And we do hear some of it, but I thought 
that could have been expounded upon a little bit more. Do you have a favorite book in the trilogy? The first one. Really? Yep. That's interesting. It was just I like a clean yeah, yeah, I like a clean story. And that was just that was just a clean bowl of soup. Like how would you rank these three books? First, third, second. Okay. Fair. The third one definitely had the most like, whoa. And the third the first one never made me cry. Yeah, it's true. So, you know, the third one definitely how would you rank them? Um, third, first, second. Okay. And it's hard to rank them because they're all they're all they all are very, very good. Um, I just think I think this last book, like I said, I've said it a couple times, but like I wasn't it wasn't the ending that I really wanted, but it was the one that made the most sense. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like everybody's at least the main players, like there's so much progression in this particular book. Like I feel like almost a lot of the characters are kind of the same for the first two books. You know, there's a little tiny bit of growth there, but you're just seeing these arcs really play out over all this time. Like seeing Hilo get a lot older, seeing these kids come up and kind of like almost repeat. They they kind of start repeating a right. lot of the same things that were happening before, but then they kind of catch on and like it seems like there's this this there's this shift in this book that I really liked seeing. And it was so satisfying to read it. It couldn't go on the way that it had been going on right. before. And I think that the the action scenes were better in the third book than any of the other ones. Like there were more memorable action scenes in this one. Like I was actually legitimately worried for these characters' lives in a lot of different instances in this book. It was really long. Yes, though <laughs> it was I will say really the, long. The best action sequence I think that I enjoyed the most was lands fight in the first book with really the horn of the mountain i love that fight it was, that was so a good one i like just raw i like uh shay and i Mata's fight was really good in oh Jade yeah War. that was really that was good an awesome one that was a really good that fight really good. also the back in time sequence that we get in this book with hilo taking out the much awesome. larger and much more experienced that was that, that, that was like one of my, my favorite. favorite yeah, that was like one of my favorite parts of the whole book, of the whole trilogy. It was so good, and it was like a turning point in his life. That was the reason yeah. that like kind of paved his road to being the youngest horn ever. And that was such a dirty thing to do. Too. Oh man, like, pretended to be drunk. I know, like, and damn, he had to like. <laughs> he's not just like pretending to be slurring his words, like being an actor. No, no, he had to like put lemon in his eyes to make them red. He had to eat spices to so he started sweating and raised his heartbeat. Like he went deep with that. So the book was kind of wrapping up when Ait Madashi gets exposed and all of her clan and the public is asking her to step down where did you think the story was going to go from there like is she done is because it kind of described her as being like old like during her and shay's conversation shay's like it's the first time that she notices that she's becoming an older woman i kind of like i expected there to be something else action worthy but i didn't quite see it happening the way that it did what were your premonitions at that point i figured something would happen and I'm glad it did because it's just it's just kind of like further um, drove the point home that Ait Madashi is going to be ruthless till the end until there's literally no possible way that she can win. Um, so I thought it was like really fitting. And I, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying it was like this is predictable, so it's bad, but I, I just figured right, there's still like a decent chunk of the book left. Right. Um, yeah. She's not going down like that. Like it, and the way that she did eventually go down was perfect. Mm hmm. Um, which was just so like not 
anticlimactic. Yeah. It just sucks for her. I know. It's like it's it's funny how like the 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 kind of lack of climax in the ending is kind of the was the, the climax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we've we've it's like we've, life goes on, right? Yeah, we've dissected that enough. But um, I I will say I wish that we had had some Ite Madashi chapters. Yeah, it felt it like the the lack of Aibadashi like POV chapters. It kind of made her feel not as humanized. She's um, very one sided, and it felt it made it feel. And I don't think that um, I think Fonda Lee did a really good job at making her a, a character. She wasn't like really one dimensional, but it it made the ending feel kind of hollow almost mm -hmm. because it was just like she kind of turned into just like this baddie they needed to get rid of. Right um, and stop. Who at the very end was like, even even all the good things are because of me. <laughs> right, and like, it, okay. it would have just been nice to like kind of be in her head a little bit. Yeah, that's like one of the only real like super hard critiques that I have is like I really w she was such an important character, like she was probably the most important character that didn't have POV chapters. Mm -hmm. And that just would have been cool. Yeah, and she opened up the door for those chapters during the explosion right because she looked around at the room while she's bleeding out and realized oh i have no actual friends and she had such a moment that she could have become more or we could have seen a little bit more from that thought process that went through or that realization that she had there you know i kind of thought we were going to get a little more of that yeah but i mean it's really not like they it's it's fine yeah <laughs> it's like totally <laughs> like again fonda if you're listening to this like we're just nerds yeah. We're not we're not telling you to rewrite the book or anything <laughs> like we just, you know, I just want more. Like, yeah, it's it's funny what I want more of and what I want less of, because like I wanted more. I wanted more Ipe Madashi and I wanted more Mountain Clan stuff and I wanted more mm -hmm. Jaya and Rue and Nico. And then there's this chapter with the guy from that corporation, like Jim, his, Jim with Santo. His, with, no, the other guy, um, Alex Wiley or. Whatever, one who's hitting up Lila, Lola, Lilu, Lilu. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the 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 guy that's the head of the corporation that's dredging yeah, yeah. the the ocean or whatever. It's like, nah, have that happen off screen. Like I don't yeah. know. I don't care about that. Like I don't. That's or so maybe, funny. And and obviously, like I didn't write these books. You did a great job. But like mm -hmm. I don't know. Some sometimes I thought I just the like exact see, same thing. Yeah, unnecessary. <laughs> I don't need to be here for this. <laughs> but there are some, it's funny what things kind of happen off screen and what doesn't mm -hmm. or off screen. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, off, yeah, we're, we're kind of like not there for some of it, but we are there for other parts. I wanted to see more of the characters that I liked. And that's probably yeah. really like my only criticism of like the entire series really is that I feel like at some points it dips into conversations with people that I don't care about. Um, that I feel like, like why am I here? Like, yeah, I could have just like heard about that in some other capacity. And it's just, it's cause I'm so attached to these characters that I just want to be around them all the time. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, things I'm a little bit disappointed in is like the Corey arc. <clears throat> I don't really know the purpose of that. What? That makes so much sense. I mean, I guess like Andy needs his first love or something, but that, and also, and I, it would have cheapened his death cause no one needs to be mad at him while he's dying. But like Hilo, 
No one ever realized that Hila was trying to kill Aimitashi <laughs> while that's simultaneously offering like trading swords. Like he was kind of doing the same thing that she was. Uh, like not really, you know, he wasn't trying to kill his own family or anything, but like, you know, he was also trying to kill her. <laughs> um, I think that the Cory arc totally makes sense. It's 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 great. It's just a good it's just a good example of how you you you're with somebody for a little while and then you're not. Lots of time goes by, they get married, they, you know, it was just, yeah, yeah, it was realistic, right. right? It's like, uh, as much as Andon and Corey really and like Andin each other. Did need some poon. <laughs> but like, as much as uh, Andon and Corey liked each other, the kind of like outside circumstances wouldn't allow for it. So they had to be adults and kind of, yeah, I liked it. I liked yeah. all of that. Andin, I thought that Andin had to be an adult. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, and Andin, Andin ends up with a movie star. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Totally yeah, and he needed a little experience. He didn't need to be a, a green behind the ears. Right. Exactly. No pun intended, because he was so green. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. I wonder. Like, let's uh, let's just ask each other a couple more questions and then, okay, and then finish up. What was the most surprising thing that Hilo did over the course of the three books in your mind? Oh my god! When you were like, um, I think he's turning left and he turned right. I mean, I think it's when, like, after Rue died. Like, I really thought he was going to go on a rampage. Oh, yes. Right. And, yeah. And it, again, it totally makes sense that he didn't. But I kind of wanted to see it. Yeah, and I've been too. talking about it for the last few podcasts. And then Same Rue thing. dies. And I really, I was surprised that... He wasn't calm about it, but it really shows how much his character has grown, obviously. Yeah. Because like 25-year-old Hilo would have burnt that city to the ground. Yeah. Not accepted their ears. He would have yeah. been like, great. Thunk, just like Yeah, he just kind of like throats. silently accepts their ears, doesn't say anything. And it's just, it's like he knows that the right move is to not burn the whole right. city down. But I was surprised. I, mean, I was definitely surprised. I, that didn't go the way that I thought it was going to. No, me neither. But Hilo was the biggest growth character. And he was the character who started black and ended white. Like he was, he just, he really changed over the course. Yet he didn't, you know, he was the same Hilo um, green through and through, but he really evolved as a character from the beginning of that book series to the end. Um, the one thing, and this is maybe like a little trife and maybe just petty on my part, but what I thought was really missing was like a, a two or three chapter battle. Like I wanted to see like, <laughs> you, you want know, your battles. I need a battle, man. I need like two whole city blocks to be like shut down with just warfare, the clans openly fighting the police, like trying to stop it multiple times, like sending in SWAT and the, them just dying because of the, Greenbone warriors are like way too far gone. That like, been I don't know. Cool. It would have been so cool. <laughs> I, I like destroyed the city though. I I needed a mage fight, mean? you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like no, with a I hear lot you. of them. I hear you. It's funny because um I didn't really I was super satisfied with the oh, man. exact it's, amount of action like, that was in this. Invented Velociraptors and we didn't get to see them eat very many people. Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> multiple times you just yeah. didn't see the giant velocity oh, yeah. yeah yeah wanted... i want the, i want the war <laughs> i want the war with like four t-rexes go in there and then like 80 velociraptors have to kill oh man i wanted to see that just the same reason that i wanted to see the temple men fight you know well i think that that kind of i think we did it what do you think i think, 
I think we did it too. Let me give one more yeah, little looky like, looky over my notes here. Like I said, there's 81 pages. I, know, so. I kind of like don't <laughs> want to say goodbye to this series. I know. Like <laughs> like I said, I was in like an actual weird kind of funk. Like yeah. I like ended it and like didn't really know what to do with myself. So I like cleaned my kitchen. <laughs> I was like, because I knew I had to write the summary and stuff. I was like, oh, I'm not. Not quite ready because those it's actions. Like, I feel like we covered most of everything, but now we're now we're kind of reaching a little bit. But it's like if you're listening to this, it's like because Chad and I want to like keep nerding out about this. Series. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> quite like I'm fully ready to move on. I'm stoked to read something new. Yeah, and and I think that I think that uh, Fonda Lee had a very similar experience when she finished the books too. Like she was stoked to end them, but like there's a there's a mourning process. There's a grieving right. process with losing these characters, definitely. And I haven't gotten that in a while. Me neither. <laughs> I mean, I get it to one degree or another um, whenever I finish something, but this one hits like particularly hard. Mm-hmm. Like I really liked reading about Hilo, Shay, and Andon. Yep. Whenever there was a Hilo, Shay, or Andon chapter, I was so locked in. Me and too. I got really I'm into Rue being... too. Though yeah. we didn't really get very much of him. I was just like, I love, I can't wait to see more of him. I got enough to know that I wanted more. And then, and then he's dead. dead. Oh man, dude, when he, when he died, I was, uh, and you could just tell, you know, that like when it happened, everyone in the room know that it was like deep enough. Cause his lifeblood just starts right. pouring yeah. out like, Oh, yeah. oh man, that was rough. Okay. Give me one second. Just to, just to, just to peruse, just to make like sure I'm not missing like when, anything. It's like when Peter Jackson was like filming the last scene of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> he just kept doing one take after another. Read all 80 pages of your notes. Oh my gosh. That would take a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, overall, great bad guys. Great good guys. You know, we had a bunch of little bad guys like Remy, you know, that were just so yeah. satisfying when they went down. Um, such a, just a book of character growth and progression and i think there's a lot of like lessons that you can kind of apply yeah these books made me think me too and that's a that's a mark of a really excellent series yeah the fact that we don't want to stop talking about it we don't want to stop reading these we're thinking a lot about it just awesome and i mean i think that we're going to be hard pressed to find a trilogy that we liked as much as this one i'm really glad certainly one that's so unique very unique yeah, and I'm really glad that we read um, Lycanius before this because we went through this like, you know, Lycanius was so confusing and just this, it really put us, tested our limits right out the gate. And then we yeah. had kind of like found our rhythm and then yeah. we got hit with this awesome gem of a story. And like, uh, I just think that kind of set us up for uh, some really good conversations and, and analyzing this story. Yeah, and the next trilogy that we're going to read is the Winter Night Trilogy by Catherine Arden. Which I think is going to be a nice change of pace. It's like a, it's like a fairy tale type. Okay, thing. I know very little about. I've done zero research. It. Yeah, I haven't oh, even nice. read the back of it. Yeah. Oh, nice, dude. We're gonna do uh, our first episode on that's gonna be the whole first book. Ooh. Because it's so short. It's like three hundred fifty pages. That's, that's what nothing. we just did for this. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Huh? It was lot. Yeah, that was that was a lot. It's a chunk. It's an well, inch Chad, and a half. I think we gotta say goodbye to Greenbone, buddy. Oh man. Yeah. Well. It's been a ride. Yeah. It has been a really good ride. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna pour one more fondly <laughs> one more shot. Just yeah. to just to send it off. I wish I had some uh some crunchy squid balls <laughs> so we could end up where the story began at the We should have made crunchy squid balls. Oh my gosh, I have no idea how to make crunchy. We could have at least like we could have ordered calamari and just kind of clumped it together. Yeah, we like, should be worked. we should be having calamari. Oh, I'm even finishing this bottle. How poetic. Oh, oh wow.
Cheers, Fonda Lee. You crushed Cheers it. You. you did crush it. It was uh, both Evan and I collectively and uh, each other and alone have read hundreds of fantasy novels. And this is very different, very unique. And you pulled it off masterfully. I mean, so you. far, they're my favorite. It's my favorite series that I've read this year. I think it's the only series I've read this year. <laughs> Wait, oh, no, I read Lycanius. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read, um, I think I'm going to read the Broken Earth trilogy um, while we're um, reading Winter Night. Ooh, that'll be fun. Uh, yeah. That's a good one. I'm interested to hear your thoughts because it's very, yeah. uh, it's different. I won't say anything to spoil it because um, yeah. I, yeah, I probably won't be able to control myself very well. <laughs> I'll just start saying things. You're like, stop, stop. Uh, anyway, to you, Fondly. All right. Well, as much as we don't want to wrap this up, everything has to come to an end, even though Chad and I, much like Hilo and Shay and Andon, are changed forever. And yet, <laughs> the same as also always. the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so good. Totally. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to our recap and synopses and kind of we kind of rambled through this one. We jumped around a whole lot, but I think we I was really excited to get to a lot of this stuff. And I know you were too, Chad. And Definitely. everybody, we really appreciate you being here for this read through and all the ones that we're going to do in the future. Um, Evan, when do we want to give away the signed copy of Ooh. Jade City that we have? We, we can haven't announce talked about this. Let's we need announce to do that, that on our uh, on our Discord. Okay. Let's, let's put uh, out that announcement. Okay, let's do that. Um, let's give it. Let's give the people four or five more days if you want to join up our Patreon and get into the running. Uh, we will be giving away a signed copy of Jade City that Fonda Lee herself sent to us, and she was super awesome. She only didn't come onto the podcast because she had ended a five-month stint of interviews, and she was like, "I can't do anymore." It was like a mental health thing. I don't know uh, if we can even. Yeah, probably. It's probably too late to get her on now because we're going to do a whole other episode next week of the whole different trilogy and stuff yeah but maybe she said to future, hit her up in a year <laughs> yeah maybe in the future because uh, i'm sure that fonda lee will be putting out more stuff and when when you do fonda we will be reading it we will Damn absolutely straight. be reading it i can't wait to see what you do next yes well evan thank you for being my partner as always through this awesome series i'm sad to see it go but excited to uh, see what the next series has in store for us me too everybody Really appreciate you being here. Happy reading as always. And we will see you next time on Book Reviews Kill. Bye, everybody.